new series. And today we're going to open up by talking about the costume of criticism. The costume of criticism. And um, uh, in, in this serious costumes, you know, when you put a costume on, you put it on because you want people to see you as something else. You want people to see you as whatever you've dressed up as. We're coming into the Halloween season, and we'll see the kids out and about running around, uh, putting on costumes and getting candy. And I'm all about that. I'm going to try to dress up as a kid and so I can go get candy. And so, uh, no, nah, but, you know, we, we, we dress up and, 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 you know, want people to perceive us as something else. And, and in this series, Costumes, we're going to talk about um, some things that, that people perceive us as that are, are not exactly who we are. How many know that sometimes we come across with personalities or we come, come across uh, by our language or by our actions and what's coming across is the hurts, the hang-ups, or the habits that we've developed or that we've entangled in in our life. And it's not really who God's made us to be. And so in this series, we're going to be dealing with different spirits that people bring with them. And again, we're not dealing with, we're not dealing with people. We're not pointing out people. We're not saying, hey, this person over here, they, they have this spirit. We're not dealing with, we're dealing with the spirit. And how many know that, that when we're not dealing with flesh and blood? We deal with spirits, with principalities, with the, the, you know things that set itself before the Lord, and so um, in this series we're going to be dealing with with these different spirits. And today I just want to talk to you about the critical spirit. How many would say, you know what? I know someone who's very critical. Anyone say, I know someone who's very critical? Raise your hand. If you're sitting beside them right now, raise your hand. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. The truth is, is that we all will deal with critical people in our life. We all will deal with critical people. It's just a part of life. People are going to criticize you for what you do. People are going to criticize you for what you don't do. How many know that? People will criticize you for what you do. People will criticize you for what you don't do, unless you're a pastor. And the pastor, he, he never has to go through any of this. But other than that, we're all going to have to deal with this at some point. So I just want you to look up and say, you know what? I'm going to be criticized. Just go ahead and get it over with. Get out in the open. You're going to be criticized. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to be criticized. Just a fact of life. Doesn't matter how much faith you have and how close to the Lord you are, you're going to be criticized. In the Old Testament, we had a guy named Moses. Moses was criticized by his own family for the woman that he married. He married a Cushite woman. And Aaron and Miriam, they just couldn't stand that Moses married a Cushite woman. And so his own family began to come against him. And so if you married someone that your family doesn't like, well, la-dee-da, join the Moses Club. Right? You're right there with him. In the New Testament, we got this guy named Paul, incredible world changer. He was criticized. They called Paul a hypocrite. And then some people in the New Testament had the guts to say that he wasn't even a good teacher. <laughs> the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. They said he wasn't even a good teacher. Jesus Christ, a man without sin, the son of God. Well, he hangs out with sinners and hangs out with harlots and publicans and not republicans, publicans. Hangs out with prostitutes and tax collectors, right? They all talked about him. And then on top of all that, he heals on the Sabbath. Jesus Christ himself was crucified. Was, was criticized and crucified. <laughs> I hope you don't have to look up here and say, I will be crucified. <laughs> no, I will be criticized. 
And so a key thought for this day is this right here. Praise and criticism are windows to the heart. Praise and criticism are windows to the heart. That's right there on that first slide. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 5 says, it is better to be criticized by a wise person than praised by a fool. It is better to be criticized by a wise person than praised by a fool. Praise and criticism often tells us a lot about what people believe. Okay, if you're taking notes, write this down. Praise reveals what people value. Praise reveals what people value. When we go to Walmart or to the mall or somewhere, Jenny's in here, so I just get in trouble all the way. Whenever we go somewhere, we'll be standing in the lot, and there'll be little kids in front of us, and Jenny will just say, you are so beautiful, and she, yes, you are. She'll just talk to them like, oh, stop, this is embarrassing. You know, and she'll just be talking to them. Your kids are so awesome. They're so beautiful, you know. And then she'll just say, can I have them? You know, and I'm like, no, you know. And so she just talks to them. She's done this ever since we, we were dating, you know. And I, I remember dating. I remember going going to stores and we're sitting in line and Jenny's just, just talking. Your kids are so awesome. You're so cute. You're, Jenny, he's 17. Stop. And so... <laughs> No, but, you know, but, but that reveals what she values, okay? That reveals what she values. You, you, you get around kids, and you will see the heart for kids come out in my wife. You'll see the heart. You talk about our kids, you know. She, she values our kids. She, she, she loves our kids, you know. And, but that value just, just comes out when she's around kids because praise reveals what people value. Watch what people praise. Watch what people admire. Watch what they lift up, and you'll find out what they value in life. Come on, somebody. Praise reveals what people value. Criticism reveals our insecurities, Criticism reveals our insecurities. Years ago, there was a young man who uh, was in our ministry and um, was very critical of his roommate. They were in college. And it seemed like every time he had talked to me about this roommate, um, man, he was just so critical of him, called, calling out this sin and that sin and that sin that his roommate did. And, you know, and this guy's just hooked on pornography and he's filled with lust and he's such a womanizer. And every time I'd get around him, this is all that he would spew. It's all he would talk about. Well, come to find out a few months later, this young man that kept talking to me about his roommate, he was the one that's actually having an affair with a married woman. What you criticize often reveals your deepest insecurities. What you criticize often reveals your deepest insecurity. I'm preaching real good. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Maybe that's why Jesus said when you're looking at the speck in someone else's eye, maybe first take the log out of your own. Pastor, you should have preached this morning. Why is it that people can be so critical? Well, the truth is, most of the time, the ones who are the most critical are the ones who really aren't happy with who they are. They're the ones who are the most miserable themselves. And they criticize you because it helps validate them. 
and it helps them to feel more important, more special, whatever it is. And the reality is the most critical people are the ones who are most inwardly miserable. I tell my kids this all the time. In third grade, my daughter's having to deal with this. In junior high, in high school. And guess what? It doesn't stop when you become an adult. It should. We should all grow up and be mature, shouldn't we? You would think so. 18th birthday, boom, you're now mature. Stop being an idiot. But we don't. We don't. It happens. And a lot of times the ones who are most critical are the ones who are most inwardly miserable. And the truth is, is for some people, either here this morning or by those who are listening to our podcast or those who listen online, this is a real issue every single day. Sadly, for some, we grew up with critical parents. It didn't seem, no matter what you did, you couldn't live up to their standard. And you tried and you tried and you tried, but you've never once heard mom or dad say anything about how proud they are of you or how they love you. And to this day, as adults, it has affected us deeply. Some of us, it's a marriage where a conversation is characterized by being critical. And you feel you're not good enough. You're not this. You're not that. And why can't you do this like them? Why can't you do that? And your spouse just nitpicks you apart. Or maybe it's at work. Or maybe it's with a boss. Maybe it's with friends. Or unfortunately, it's with other Christians. Because if I can be real, and I want everyone to hear this, sometimes Christians can be the most critical of other Christians. And it's time we put that junk to a halt. You hop online and all you see is this Christian bashing this preacher, this Christian bashing this teaching, this Christian saying this preacher is not right, or this Christian saying this church isn't right. Shut our mouth. We are our own worst enemy in the church. This is good preaching. Thank you so much. So how do we deal with this? How do we deal with this criticism, this spirit? Well, today we're going to look at two wrong answers and three right answers. And if you're taking notes, the first two, the wrong answers are fight and flight. Fight and flight. Aren't you glad you come to church this morning? Look to your neighbor and say, man, he's really talking to you. <laughs> Don't be critical. Just, just. The, the, the two wrong answers are fight and flight. Let me start with fight. Because for, for those of us who, who deal in this arena, when someone criticizes you, you often want to fight back. Maybe when someone's criticizing you, maybe you're like me. I'll be honest, my heart beats a little faster and my hands start to sweat a little bit. Blood pressure rises a little bit. And I just want to defend myself. I just want to jump in there and defend myself. Or I'll walk away from a conversation and afterwards I will replay that conversation in my mind as I'm trying to go to bed and I should have said this and I could have said this and if they ever say that again, I'm coming at them with this. I know it's just me. No one else here does that. You fight. You want to fight. This is what I'm going to say and this is what I'm going to do and ha, 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 I will get revenge. And that's just my Sunday morning. That's fight. A second response is flight. It's where we withdraw. We say, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm done with you. I'm done with this conversation. I'm done with you. I'm keeping you at a distance. It's over. Signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm out. Those are natural responses, but those are wrong responses. Fight and flight. 
And so today we're going to look at three right responses, three right responses as we deal with critical spirits in our life. If you're taking notes, the first response is incredibly important. If you want to be all that God wants you to be, you need to, number one, learn how to listen to constructive criticism. Learn how to listen. If you can see the faces right now, I don't like this. Learn how to listen to constructive criticism. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to listen. Now, how do you know when to listen? I'm glad you asked. Here's a couple of thoughts, practical thoughts. We're going to listen, when number one, when their motive is to help and not to hurt. When their motive is to help. For instance, hey, you know, look at me. Look at me right now. I'm the biggest I've ever been. It's my deepest insecurity. It's why I talk about it a lot, okay? Let's just get it out there in the open, all right? It's there, all right? Yes, I had to buy big boy jeans, okay? Get it out there. And so I'm the biggest I've ever been. And someone comes up to me, let's say pastor comes up to me and says, hey, Jared, I hear downtown they have a buy one, get one free thing at the gym this, this month. You want to go help? You want to go work out with me? Okay? That's probably someone who's wanting to help. Okay? Probably someone who's wanting to speak something into my life, someone who cares for me. But pastor comes up and pastor says, you know what, Jared, you better stay away from the cookies, fat boy. Look at you. My goodness, we got to grease the sanctuary doors just to get you in. Bill, pick up four cans of Crisco while you're at Sam's. <laughs> now, how many know those are two totally different things? And you better not talk about Oreos unless you got some, brother. Two totally different things. So if someone's purpose, if their motive is to help and not hurt, guess what? We're going to listen to what they have to say. Secondly, if, they, if that person has experience or knowledge or wisdom in that area, we'd be wise to listen to their criticism. In fact, Proverbs 15, 31 says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject this kind of criticism, you only harm yourself. I would argue today that so many people are not maxing out of whatever they are called to do with their life because we have not learned the art of receiving constructive criticism in our life. And it's something that I want a part of our culture at Elm Grove. I want this to be a part of who we are and what we do. After we have big events, I always try to sit down with Pastor and Carolyn and some of our leaders of those events and just kind of relive them. I know I drove them nuts the first year I was here. They had no idea what I was doing. I was like, no, tell me what we did wrong. Tell me what we did wrong. They're like, we don't want to hurt your feelings. No, tell me what I did wrong. It's a big part of, of, of where, where I've been and what I've done. And so just sitting out, where, where, where did we mess up and what could we do better? And so we try to sit down and we try to talk about that. We try to relive the event. We try to relive things that could have gone better, things that we need to improve on, things that we need to cut. Why? Because we're not afraid to, to stop riding dead horses at Elm Grove. Come on, somebody. Things we need to build on, things that are success, things we hit a home run on that we need to build up on for the future. In these conversations, we need constructive criticism. What we don't need is a critical spirit. What we don't need is a negative Nancy. What we don't need is an always see red Fred. <laughs> I just made that up. That was good. <laughs> I'm going to title that. That's not, we need people who are on board with the vision of what God's calling us to do and working toward that vision with us, not creating division. 
And so you need that. You need to be able to receive constructive criticism. When I pastored in Sepulpa, uh, I'd preach on Sunday evening, preach on Sunday morning, preach on Sunday evening. After, after our service on Sunday evening, before we went to Mazio's, you know, because that's just what you do if there's a Mazio's within 15 miles. I grew up going to, how many know what I'm talking about? I grew up going to Mazio's. I grew up going to Mazio's, and hopefully I'm going to retire going to Mazio's. It's made me the man I am today. And so, but every Sunday night after church, we'd go to Mazio's. We'd, we'd go eat pizza. We'd go hang out with friends. But before we did that, I'd have a short 10 to 15-minute meeting with key leadership right after Sunday evening service where it's fresh on our mind. Okay, what went good today? What went wrong today? Where do we need to improve on? You know, the, the, the ushers at the door, were, were, were we at the door, you know, in time? Did we, did we greet people? The, you know, the offering, how, how, the, how the offering go? Did the ushers come forward? Did we have ushers picked out? You know, and we'd go through these things and we'd just rehearse these things. What about the nursery? How do we do in the nursery? Did, we had one person for 76 kids. Okay, I think we're okay there, you know? And so we, we would go through these things as leadership and we would just constructive, constructive. We're constructing something, not destructive criticism. We're constructing something. We're trying to build our church. We're trying to build, not, not the church, we're trying to build people in the church. And so we want to construct something great and we want God to be the author of what we're constructing. We're not trying to tear each other down. We're not trying to tear ministries down. We're trying to construct and in order for us to max out at whatever it is God's called us to do, we are wise to let iron sharpen iron. Okay? Or as we say in southeast Oklahoma, let iron sharpen iron. We'd be wise to do that. That's what the Bible says. And so listen, and listen, and become better through constructive criticism. Everybody still on board with me? All right. So there is a time to listen. There's a time to listen. And secondly, when people are criticized, there's also a time to answer that criticism. There's also a time to answer that criticism. There's, there's a time to offer a defense. Well, when do we offer a defense? Well, here's a couple of practical thoughts. One is this. We answer when the person's missing a key point of information that would change his or her perspective. So sometimes they're talking to us and they're criticizing something that's going on in our life or something that we're doing as a church or something that you might be doing on the job or something in your marriage or in your family or whatever it might be. And there's, there's, they're criticizing. And it's, it's, it's wise to offer information that would help if that could change that perspective. Does this make sense? And so there is a time to respond to criticism. There is a time to respond to that. Hey, here's something you don't know and share that with them, okay? Secondly is when, when the person's open to change. Now, how many know there's some people that are never open to change? Doesn't matter what you do, you know? The sky is blue. No, it's not. It's a very light purple. No, I think it's blue. Nope, it's not. Okay, don't respond. <laughs> You're wasting your breath. Just keep moving on. Okay, so there is a time to respond. There is a time when, that, so when, when they have information that they don't know and when, when they're open to change. When they're not, just move forward. Stop wasting your breath. It's not, not going to happen. So let's stop and talk for just a second about marriages. Because in our marriages, a lot of times our marriage is characterized by critical words. Or as Jenny calls it, the first five years of our marriage. Just being honest. Not the last five years, the first five years. Let me get that straight. And in this, our marriage was characterized by me, by very critical words. Because I had an idea of what marriage was going to be like. Because I'd seen how my mom and dad did marriage. 
But then she had an idea what marriage was going to be like because she's seen her mom and dad do marriage. And my mom and dad's marriage and her mom and dad's marriage both loved each other, but two totally different marriages. Her mom and dad would gross us out. They were here last week. They'd gross us out, kissing and hugging and loving on each other. I'd be like, stop that. That's nasty. Quit. My mom and dad, I saw them hold hands a couple of times. You know, I'm like, gross. Two totally different marriages. Two totally different how they interact in the home. You know, dad, we grew up on a farm. Dad's outside, mom's inside. Totally different. Dad comes in, everything's done. Why? Because he doesn't come in until 10, 11 p.m. He's outside. So when I got married, everything's supposed to be done. Right? Man, y'all are really quiet right now. <laughs> no one here is saying, I ain't stupid. I ain't just saying a word right now. I ain't even looking at my spouse. I love you, Buki. Right? Very critical. My mouth became a weapon used by the enemy in our marriage. My actions became a weapon used by the enemy in our marriage. And so our marriage was characterized as being very, very critical. And can I, the only thing I can say to those who have a marriage, maybe either here or by listening on our podcast, is if you don't stop, you will never have the marriage God intended you to have, Period. Period. If you nitpick each other apart and you're always tearing each other down, you will never ever have what God wants you to have. You need to live in this number two where you stop criticizing and you'll learn how to improve in your conversation. You'll learn how to improve. If you let your spiritual enemy enter in, it becomes a criticism fest. And you will never, ever, ever have the kind of relationship with your husband or your wife that God wants you to have. And another side point, don't go home and say, you are the person that Jared was talking about this morning. Okay? <laughs> that won't work either. So, everybody raise your right hand, including my wife. You know what to say. <laughs> I still love Pastor Jared. So let's look at this. Let's look at this in the Old Testament. We see a person answering critical people. In Judges chapter 8, verse 1, uh, there was a group of people there, and they were criticizing Gideon. And he answered them, verses 1 and 2. The Bible says the Ephraimites asked Gideon, why have you treated us like this? They criticized him sharply. And so what did he do? Verse says this. It says, but he answered them. He gave a defense. And basically, if you read the whole story, he encouraged them. He said, hey, look at all that you guys have done compared to me. And he made them feel better. He gave additional information. And then in verse 3, the Bible says, when the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, they were no longer angry. He diffused the conflict by answering their critique. And there is a time that you've got to do that. You've got to do that. There is a time when someone cares, when they can help, when, they, when it's our, be wise for us to listen to constructive criticism. There's also a time when someone's criticizing us and we need to offer a piece of information that help change their perspective. And then this third thing is so important, and it's vitally important for every one of us to max out at everything we do as we're growing as people, as we're growing in relationship with one another, is we've got to learn to dismiss invalid criticism. That's hard. That's hard. We've got to learn to dismiss invalid criticism. And this is so important, yet so honestly, it is so, so difficult. 
So when do we dismiss invalid criticism? Well, a couple of practical thoughts. I'm glad you asked. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. We dismiss criticism when the person is characterized by being overly critical. Anyone in here know someone like that? I know they don't go to church here, right? But do you, do you know someone like that? They're just overly critical. They can't say a good thing about anything. They don't like their job. They don't like their family. They don't like their boss. They don't like their parents. They don't like the gasoline prices are just way too high and the government this and the government that and the weather's not good today. It's too hot and you wake up tomorrow, it's too cold and nothing good on TV and Grey's Anatomy is stupid anyway. Come on. (laughs) Overly negative people. Listen, if they can't see anything good in life, they're not going to see anything good in you. You got to learn to dismiss it. We got to learn to dismiss it and not let us distract. We also dismiss invalid criticism when the person is criticizing is emotionally healthy or wounded. Now, we do not dismiss the person. I want you to hear this. We love that person. They're hurting. They're wounded. But we have to understand that when someone is deeply hurt, hurting people hurt people. Wounded people wound people. And they will criticize you. When someone is hurting financially, you know, maybe they haven't been tithing, they haven't been giving, and they're hurting in the area of their finances, and you have, and you tithe, and you give, and you honor the Lord, and the Lord is pouring out blessing upon your life, and they keep charging things, and they keep getting into debt. Guess who's going to be the target for their hurt? You. The one who is succeeding in the area of their hurt. Come on, somebody. They're hurting in their marriage. They're struggling in their marriage. And your marriage is being blessed. Their marriage is falling on hard times. And you you and your, you look like my wife's mom and dad. You're always loving and hugging and kissing and blah, you know, and all that stuff. You, you're doing all that. And their marriage is struggling. Guess who's going to be the target? You are. Because you're in the area of their hurt. This is good preaching. Thank you so much. We dismiss criticism when it comes from those who are wounded or unhealthy. We do not dismiss the person, but we gotta learn to dismiss the criticism. Jesus did this all the time. He's our example. In fact, he's talking to the Pharisees one day and he's a, they're offended by what Jesus says and so they begin to criticize him. And he, Jesus told the story and he compared the Pharisees to plants. He said, Matthew 15, 13, he said, every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be rooted up. Now, what do you tell those to do in verse 14? He said, so ignore them. Say it again. Ignore them. Come on, say it with me. Ignore them. Dismiss it. In the words of the ice princess, let it go. Right? Ignore it. Dismiss it. Let it go. They're blind guides leading the blind. They will both fall into the ditch. Their words are not from God, so ignore it. Dismiss it. Please understand this. Please listen carefully. As you become more effective in whatever you do, whether it be in ministry or on your job, in your business, in your career, in your marriage, in your leadership, as you become more effective in whatever it is that you do, you will become a bigger target for criticism. You will. You will become a bigger target for criticism. And as you work more effective, wherever that is, okay, people will feel like it's just their God-given right to criticize you. And now, through the wonderful gift of social media, they have an avenue to do it and not to your face. This is good preaching. And you can either let that distract you 
and try to just rebut everything that's being said or you can move on with what God's called you to do. You can move on with the calling of God in your life. You can move on with what the road that God's laid before you. And you've got to learn to dismiss it. And I'll tell you right now, it's not easy. It's not easy. The more God blesses your home, the more God blesses your marriage, the more God blesses your life, the more God blesses your ministry, the more God blesses the church. We become a greater target. And it's not so easy but we cannot internalize it. We cannot, we've got to learn to come on Taylor Swift, shake it off, shake it off, shake, shake, shake it off. You got to, that's why we need altar calls. So you can just come and you can just shake around the altar because you got to learn to shake it off and we got to learn to shake it off and you've got a choice. Now I'm about wrapping up here. <laughs> Someone said, thank God. <laughs> I understand. Some of us are haunted by words. Words that were spoken by someone to us years and years ago. Some people are even living to please someone who's not even alive today. Some are driven by what other people think. We want everybody to like us. I understand. No one wants someone just to come out and hate them. But we want someone, we want everybody to like us. We want everybody to like us. But let me just burst the bubble. Not everybody's gonna like us. Not everybody. Yes, even me. I know you're looking like even you? Yes. Yes. Fitness gurus and fitness experts, they don't like me. And we've got a choice to make. We've got a choice to make. You cannot let the words that someone who was wounded and hurting years ago, they've spoken over you and those words still keep you up at night. Those words, maybe it's something that's been characterized in your marriage, something that you and your spouse have said to one another, something that someone from the other side of the family has said to you, an outlaw or an in-law has said, come on somebody. Something that's been said and those words just keep haunting you, those words just keep resonating in your mind going over and over and over and over again. Listen, you, 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 you got to let it go. You got to let it, you got to let it go for you because you are living life hindered. You are living life undone. You are living life not to the fullest because you're letting someone that, something that someone said control your destiny. Come on. Let it go. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'll tell you what that looks like for me. I just got to find a place in the presence of the Lord. Sometimes I come in here, it's quiet in the, in the middle of the week, and I come in here and I turn on music and I just stand here up front or I stand in the back or I just, I stand here in this place and I just get along with God. And then I just find some time and I was, God, are my motives right? And guess what? Sometimes they're not. I'm just gonna be honest. Sometimes they're not. God, is my heart right in this? Sometimes God says, no, it's not. You're the one that needs to change. But I get along with the Lord. And I say, God, are you happy? Because if you're happy, I'll keep going. If you're happy, I'll keep fighting. God, if you're happy, I'll keep moving forward. God, are you happy? And that brings me to the close. Because we cannot please everybody. But we can please God. We cannot please everybody. I can't even please everybody in my own family. 
ask this one question. What do you want to eat? World War III ensues. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You cannot please everybody. So why do we keep trying to? We got to get along with our Father and say, God, am I pleasing you? If I'm pleasing you, if you're happy with me, then let's move forward. Let's move forward. Amen. Dealing with the critical spirit. It's a part of life. It's a part of life. I will be criticized and you will be criticized. At the end of the day, let this linger with you. Let it leave with you. Let it become part of you. You can't please everyone, but you can please your Father. You can please Him. Go ahead and stand your feet with me this morning. You won't hear everybody say, well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs> Come on, look at your neighbor and say, that's good preaching. But you can't hear your father say that. And that's the most important. That's the most important. And so this morning, I'm just gonna ask you to bow your heads. You bow your heads today. I bet there's some in here that, you live life like I've lived life for so much a part of my life. I just wanted people to like me. I'm just going to be real with you. I grew up around a very performance-oriented family, very performance-oriented relationships I had in my life. And it caused me to say, I got to do this and I got to do that got to be this, I've got to be that. It led to like a workaholic spirit in me. I didn't work all the time just because I loved work. I worked all the time because I felt like I needed to prove something to somebody. I'm just being honest. I felt like I needed to prove something to somebody. I'm worthy. I'm worthy of this. I'm worthy of that. I'm worthy of my hire. And man, it led me to more hardship than I have time to explain. Led me into a tailspin. Led me to thoughts I'm not good enough. I got to be better. Got to try harder. Got to work more. Led me to thought, what am I doing wrong? then I'll be honest, I heard this message that I'm sharing with you today. As I heard this message, I had to embrace the fact I can't please everyone, but I can please God. Some of you, it may be people in your life right now, that critical spirit. Some of you, it's the ghost of criticism past words that were spoken into your life. It's affected your self-image. It's limited what you're able to do today because you're still trying to please someone else. God's brought you here in this place today to say, let it go. Let it go. 
It's not hurting them, it's hurting you. Let it go. You're not who others say you are. You are who I say you are. I'm your father and I'm pleased. If he says that, man, everything's gonna be okay. He loves you not because you perform. He loves you because you're his kid. He loves you because you're his child. He loves you so much not because of what you can do. He loves you so much because of what his son did upon the cross. He loves you. As you continue to pray today, maybe some of you grew up trying to please the right people in your life, feeling like you're never good enough, and then we take that and we project that upon God. God, I'll never be good enough for you. Everyone else has criticized me. Maybe surely you're doing it as well. And the greatest day of my life is when I realized that God accepted me and God loved me, not because I was good enough, but because he's good enough. He loves me for who I am. But he also loves me enough to not leave me like he found me. He wants to take me on a journey with him. But that journey is not based upon my performance. That journey is based upon his son's blood. The sinless son of God did for me what I was incapable of doing for myself. So maybe you're here this morning and you've got that same projection upon your heavenly father that I had. You thought that, God, I'm just, I'm, I always fail. I'm not good enough. Man, I don't even know if I need to keep this thing going anymore. It's not your performance. It's his love. And he loves you. He loves you right where you're at. And he's ready. Ready to take you places you never even imagined. And he's ready to wipe that mind and that heart clear of all those words that's been spoken over you. And insert his word that you are more than a conqueror, that you are an overcomer, that you are created in him. You are in Christ and he loves you and nothing the enemy does can separate you from that love. If that's you today, I just want you on the count of three. Will you slip your hand up? One, two, three. Anyone? Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yes, thank you. Amen. Amen. Father, you see every hand that was raised. You see every hand lifted in this place today. Father, you see every every person that said, God, I just, whether it's words from other people or whether it's just something that's been projected upon our life, God, I feel so unworthy. I feel so unworthy. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I can't do it. I can't make it. God, I'm not good enough to do what you've called me to do. I'm not good enough to answer the call that you placed upon my life. God, I'm not good enough. But God, I pray this morning that you would instill in their heart, God, this wisdom, this knowledge, and this power, that it's not based upon our performance. It's based upon your power. And it's based upon your blood. And Jesus, this morning, every hand that was raised, they stand ready to be washed. 
God, ready to be washed, ready to, that their mind might be washed of all that negativity, of all that criticism, of all the words that have spoken that have molded them into this moment. But God, you've got a greater mold. And so right now, God, will you just take us, take our hearts and take our minds and take our memories. And God, will you just wash us? God, will you just do a mighty work in their life this morning? God, from the top of their head to the sole of their feet, God, to the innermost part of their being, God, will you wash? Will you allow your word to wash them clean? Will you allow your blood to wash them clean? God, this morning, may they leave this place knowing that their heavenly Father loves them and is pleased. Pleased with the with the decision they made, pleased with the love that they have for you, and pleased with the journey that they're about to embark on. And God, we love you. We ask your blessing here today. In Jesus' mighty name, still with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Jared, I'm, I sometimes, I'm not the recipient of the critical spirit, I'm the giver. I sometimes allow the enemy to use me. And listen, you can be saved and still be used. And you're like, Jared, that's that's me. I told you about the first few years of our marriage. And I'm just being honest. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Jared, that's that's me. And I recognize it. I don't, want to, I don't want that spirit at work in my life. I want my family to know I love them. I want my kids. I want my spouse. I want my church family. I want my friendships. I want my business partners. I want those who work with me or those who work for me. I want them to know. I don't want to walk in this critical spirit. I want to change today. I want God to do work in my heart and in my life. I'm saved, I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. But today I recognize I'm being used by the enemy when I open my mouth sometimes. If that's you this morning, we just slip your hand up right now. Yeah, man, there's hands up all over the place. Hands up all over the place. And let me be real honest with you again. I stand before you this morning and my hands up. Because even as a pastor, sometimes that old mindset comes back. Those old thoughts and those old feelings come back. And even as a pastor, since I was 17 years old, I have those moments where I stop and I look back and I realize, man, my tongue was being used by the devil. God, help me stop. Help me stop. And so, Father, you see every hand that was raised. God, you see every person that said, Lord, I, I love you. I love you. But I know I can be so critical sometimes. And God, I pray this morning that as they just acknowledge that to you, God, they're raising their hands before you, and God, they're, they're saying, God, I need your help. I need your help. So, Father, would you just speak into their heart? And Holy Spirit, as I prayed this week, Holy Spirit, when we 
began to spout those words of criticism that will tear down. Holy Spirit, will you just check us in that moment? Holy Spirit, we pray that we give you full reign to check our heart, to check us in that moment. Just let us know, nope, 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 not now. Your tongue's about to be used and not for glory. Not in this moment. So Holy Spirit, check us. We give you full reign. And so Father, I pray right now for every hand that was raised. God, doesn't mean we're horrible people. Doesn't mean we're, we're mean or angry. Just means sometimes that flesh gets the best. God, we're trying to crucify it in you and through you. So Lord, we're gonna need your help. So God, will you help us? As we get in your words, we get in our prayer times, we get in our prayer closet, God, will you help us? God, as we leave this place this morning, as we take this word with us, it's a costume that we do not want to wear anymore. Let us shed the costume today and let us be who you've made us to be and let our mouth be a giver of life and love and joy. And so God, we love you today and we ask your blessing upon it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.